Several years ago, with seemingly no evidence, an investigation was launched into the president, accusing him of colluding with Russia in order to win the presidential election. Of course, we know that was bunk, but man, did the media go nuts digging into everything they could to try and figure out what Trump had been doing. A couple of years ago in 2018, a woman came forward with a vague recollection 30 years ago about a party she had been to with a man named Brett Kavanaugh. From this vague recollection, they dug through the personal history of Brett Kavanaugh and the people around him, even digging through his yearbook and questioning what some information on an old calendar really meant. What does this phrase mean? The media went nuts. Now, videos have emerged from apparently like another laptop of Joe Biden's son doing some pretty nasty stuff. And I'm not too concerned about what Hunter Biden is doing with his his private life or anything like that. But I think it's fair to say the laptops that we have, this information, I mean, it's literally Hunter Biden. These leaks are getting worse. More emails have come out where we see them saying, get burner phones, go buy something from 7-Eleven. Why? So that they can't track or record what it is we're going to be doing. An email from 2014 apparently shows that Joe Biden was traveling around and his son was using this to gain influence and essentially peddling the Biden name in order to make money. Why? Because in 2014, Joe Biden was the vice president. Now, of course, on the screen, you have a photo of Steve Bannon looking quite happy. And the reason is this image comes from an article that I can't show you. You see, right now, big tech is censoring anything from these articles showing what's coming off these laptops. So I can't actually show you the footage. I mean, to be honest, nor do I really want to. But they've already suspended tons of people on social media. The, the media, big tech, have been freaking out, desperate to protect Joe Biden. And now we have an unprecedented update. With nine days until Election Day, Biden has no in-person events and his campaign has called a lid. That means he's done. He's out. No press hiding in the basement. Could it be that this scandal has reached epic proportions? It has gone nuclear and Joe Biden cannot handle it. Maybe it's also true that Joe Biden has been hiding in his basement the entire time while our cities were burning. Could you imagine what it would be like if Joe Biden won? I mean, he'd just go hide in the basement. Well, I think it'd be funny because as everyone knows, it's actually Kamala Harris. I want to show you the most insane media defenses of what's going on and some updates on what's happening. This is absolutely crazy and unprecedented. Media is doing everything it can to defend the Bidens amid this massive scandal. And I'm likely to have this video censored just for talking about it. So let's dive in. But before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box. You want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do, share this video. Make sure that people know about it because, well, the people who are directly sharing the news stories are getting censored. So perhaps by not actually showing the full article, but discussing what's going on, maybe we can inform as many people as possible. It's one of the most important things you should realize. Although the stories themselves, the evidence gets censored, we can still say these words. I just can't show you the images. Now, it does help the channel, so consider sharing, but also like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let me show you some more tweets on the unprecedented Joe Biden hiding. And I'll stress, in my opinion, 
I think it is Joe Biden going into hiding right now because the email scandal is just out of control. It's absolutely out of control. I mean, Twitter is still lighting up. Many progressive personalities are still highlighting some of this stuff. And I know not establishment progressive or establishment Democrats, but there are people who are talking about it. Tyler Pager says Joe Biden's campaign has called a lid at 1127 a.m., just nine days before the election. In the last week, he has only held three campaign events outside of participating in the debate. He was in Durham, North Carolina last Sunday and made two stops in Pennsylvania yesterday. Donald Trump held a rally in Pennsylvania to a thunderous crowd. And in Wisconsin, the same thing. No one's showing up for Joe Biden. Kamala Harris on a hot mic moment is saying, are we are we in Cleveland? Yes. Oh, hey, Cleveland, like not knowing where she even is. It's looking like everything is falling apart for them. And the email scandal is where it gets really bad. But surprise, surprise, Joe Biden's going into hiding. Now, we have this story from The Washington Post that says insisting that the Hunter Biden laptop is fake is a trap. So is insisting that it's real. The lesson of 2016 is to be even more careful with potential disinformation in 2020. This article is incredible in its brazen and overt attempts at defending Joe Biden. What have we already seen? Social media has still, they have the New York Post account, one of the oldest papers in the country, the oldest, I believe, still in continuing circulation. They're suspended. They're locked out unless they delete their Hunter Biden stories. I'm surprised none of my videos have gotten deleted, to be completely honest. Censorship from big tech, desperation. And now this, the media didn't want to talk about it, but they are pulling out all the stops with the most epic of lines. We must treat the Hunter Biden leaks as if they were a foreign intelligence operation, even if they probably aren't. Wow. Truly, truly remarkable. You see, we know from the FBI, from the DOJ and the director of national intelligence, they have no reason to believe this is a Russian disinformation campaign. There are several laptops now. The FBI was in possession of, I believe, one of them. We have confirmed these emails are real because a whistleblower, a former partner of the Bidens, Tony Bobulinski, came out and issued a public statement and turned over records to the FBI. We have seen text messages at the very least show a little curiosity. That's why I open this by talking about Brett Kavanaugh. What, it, what, what did it take to launch an investigation of this man's life? A woman said, 30 years ago, I vaguely remember being at a party and she didn't know how she got there. She didn't know where it was. None of her friends corroborated it, but that was enough. It really does uh, freak me out, to be completely honest. They're saying Joe Biden's going to win. They're saying that Trump is way down. And I know Trump's man, he's got his issues. But do you really believe the things they said about Brett Kavanaugh? Do you really believe the Russiagate stuff? Still to this day, they claim Donald Trump is working for Russia and these people believe it. Maybe they've all gone insane, but I'm hoping that sane, rational people, maybe like you or me, recognize what's happening and and I guess, I don't know, do something about it. Well, I bring you now to Glenn Greenwald. And he, he, Glenn Greenwald is not a Trump supporter, but I'll tell you this. Glenn, for all its worth, is in the same position, similar position to where I'm at. He's a left-leaning individual, and he's not a fan of the mainstream media 
or this ridiculous intelligence agent like this, this, the intelligence community conspiracy theory about Russia and smears. So Glenn has consistently called out the lies. This is remarkable stuff. Check this out. One of the clearest and most important sentences you'll read showing how U.S. media really works from the Washington Post op-ed by RIDT, and that's Thomas Ridd. We must treat the Hunter Biden leaks as if they were a foreign intelligence operation, even if they probably aren't. He says, this is absolutely how mainstream U.S. outlets think. Exactly what is said there by Ridd, one of those centrist professor outlets used to elevate their unhinged conspiracy theories with a facade of expertise. We have no idea if this conspiracy is true, but we will say it anyway. That's right. You can have the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, say we do not believe it's a Russian disinformation. We we have no evidence. And the media just says we've decided these conspiracies are allowed. I think it's funny how they desperately try to smear people as conspiracy theorists while CNN goes on unhinged rants about the far right and the Russians and all of these things. It's truly incredible, isn't it? Glenn says, There is no question, none, that mainstream U.S. news outlets disseminate more unhinged, unproven conspiracy theories and do far more damage with them than QAnon or whichever fringe group they want you to focus on can achieve in 1,000 years. See for yourself. Here's a story. September 8th, 2002. Threats and responses. The Iraqis. U.S. says Hussein intensifies quest for for A-bomb parts. Yeah, I remember what got us into the Iraq war, yeah? The Great Terror. In northern Iraq, there is new evidence of Saddam's genocidal war on the Kurds and of his possible ties to Al-Qaeda. Then we have this chait. Unlikely, but possible that Trump has been Russian intel asset since 1987. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we got to give MSNBC and Jonathan Chait a standing ovation for this one. This is my favorite conspiracy theory from the mainstream media because you know what they're saying? The Soviets are still around. Their influence persists. That's right. 1987 is the Soviet Union still existed. Trump has been an asset of Russian intelligence from during the Cold War and then the collapse of the Soviet Union and their interests persist. Bravo. I, I, I really, really love this one. And then Glenn shows Manafort held secret talks with Assange in Ecuadorian embassy, sources say. We know that story was bunk. But they put out the lies and the smears. And my question is, will the will regular Americans realize this? Do they realize it? And is it enough to, for, for them to reject the establishment? Perhaps you look at Donald Trump winning in 2015 and he was saying the media is is the enemy of the people, the fake news and all of these 2016. I'm sorry, his campaign in 2015 saying all these things about the media. Have any of those Trump supporters forgotten No, I'd imagine more people are now realizing the media has been lying. Glenn says U.S. media outlets outside of right wing sites were desperate not to report the Hunter emails and to block their reporters from doing so. So they just started printing that it was Russian disinformation, knowing there was no basis for that until they could figure out what to do. One of the U.S.'s best reporters, Matt Taibbi, just published a uh, a great and well-researched article documenting how many lies U.S. media outlets are telling to protect Biden. It's on Substack. I doubt any liberal left outlet would publish it. That's why Taibbi is more popular than ever. And he is. And they hate him for it. Matt Taibbi is a liberal. He was a writer with Rolling Stone for a long time. He says, 
with the Hunter Biden expose, suppression is a bigger scandal than the actual story. Unprecedented efforts to squelch information about a New York Post story may prove to be more dangerous corruption than whatever Hunter Biden did with a crooked Ukrainian energy company. I agree. Now, I think it's really bad what uh, Hunter and Joe had been doing for sure. But let's be real. I think most of us realize they all do it. I mean, what about Nancy Pelosi's kids? Apparently he's doing something, too. And in these emails from th- that are being released on the Hunter Biden laptop, there are potential ties to other Democrats. We know these people engage in nepotism. We know they enrich their families. And even Trump is accused of doing it. Now, you want to argue who you think is right or wrong? Fine, whatever. The bigger scandal is that the media clearly is protecting Joe Biden. Let me tell you, Donald Trump could fart and it would be the front page of the New York Times and people would demand that I disavow the man for making a smelly gas. You could take the lightest, smallest of stories and they will light it up. Brett Kavanaugh, for instance. So spare me when Donald Trump is accused of something. If I don't run out the door full speed and say, I'm ready to play this game again, because I remember doing segments about Russiagate and saying, hey, well, you know, yeah, this may be real. It will fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. I'm not going to be fooled again. You don't you don't fool me a third time. Is that what Bush said? You don't fool me a second time. Something like that. Now we can see how they really operate. I mean, we've known this for a long time, but this is truly incredible stuff. The next segment, uh, Matt Taibbi says this is clearly newsworthy, but few outlets like the Washington Post that even bothered to report on these tapes only did so to convey their distaste for the source and to relay news that the Biden camp believed it to be a continuation of a longstanding Russian effort to hurt the former vice president. Press outlets began some time ago to describe such material as misinformation or disinformation, even though items like the Durkacz tapes or the leaked calls between State Department officials Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt discussing who should be Ukraine's interim leader after the Euromaidan revolution are neither. Both terms normally require an element of false information. He says, from Fox or the Daily Caller on the right, to left-leaning outlets like the Consortium or the World Socialist website, to writers like even me, we are all now clearly in range of new speech restrictions, even if we stick to long-ago established factual standards. As has been hinted at by several prominent journalists, controversies erupted within newsrooms across New York and Washington in the last week. Editors have been telling charges that any effort to determine whether or not the Biden laptop material is true or to ask the Biden campaign to confirm or deny the story will either not be allowed or put through heightened fact checking procedures. On the other hand, if you want to assert without any evidence at all The New York Post story is Russian interference. You can essentially go straight to print. This is really, really great stuff from Taibbi, by the way. For all the negative press about Shokin, that was uh, so uh, let me stop. Victor Shokin was the prosecutor in Ukraine who claimed to uh, have an investigation of Burisma where Hunter Biden was working. This is what you need to know. He's the guy Joe Biden got fired. He says, there's no doubt that there were multiple active cases involving Zlochevsky and Burisma during his short tenure. This was even once admitted by American reporters before it became taboo to describe such cases untethered to words like dormant. Here's how Ken Vogel, the New York Times, put it in May of 2019. When Mr. Shokin became prosecutor general in 2015, he inherited several investigations into the company and Mr. Zlochevsky, including the suspicion, including for suspicion of tax evasion and money laundering. Mr. Shokin also opened an investigation into the granting of lucrative gas licenses to companies owned by Mr. Zlochevsky, 
when he was the head of the Ukrainian Ministry of Ecology and Natural Resources. Ukrainian officials I reached this week confirmed that multiple cases were active during that time. Matt Taibbi standing ovation, doing real journalism, confirming multiple active cases. Zlochevsky was the founder of Burisma. He was the guy who founded the company that Hunter Biden was on the board of. Quote, there were different numbers, but from 7 to 14, says Serhii Horbadiak, former head of the Special Investigations Department for the Prosecutor General's office, when asked how many Burisma cases there were. There may have been two to three episodes combined, and some may have already been closed, so I don't know the exact amount. But Horbitiuk insists there were many cases. Most of them technically started under Yarema, but at least active under Shokin. The number quoted by Horbetiuk, uh, uh, Gaib with the uh, Jibe, with those, I, I think, Gaib, with those offered by more recent general prosecutor Rolson Ryobashapka, who last year said there were at one time or another 13 or 14 cases in existence involving Burisma or Slachevsky. Let me make this very, very clear for all of you. You all see, you all know they are covering this up. Joe Biden did this. As far as I'm concerned, I have seen enough. Joe Biden says the guy, Victor Shokin, wasn't doing his job. Journalists running to his defense said Victor Shokin would not investigate Burisma and Zlochevsky. As it turns out, when Joe Biden went to Ukraine and said, fire the prosecutor or you're not getting the billion dollars. They agreed. They fired the prosecutor. And the new guy who came in cleared Zlochevsky of all wrongdoing. Shortly after that, Zlochevsky returned to Ukraine. It was only in 2018 when new investigations, new charges came up that he fled the country again. Surprise, surprise, that was under Donald Trump. Could it be that Joe Biden did try to protect Biden Inc., as they call it? You can look up the story from Politico magazine. It's strange, they say, how Biden's family's wealth has tracked alongside his political career. Let me tell you, when you come to me and say Joe Biden does these things, he's enriching his family. I laugh. What else is new? But when the media shuts down, they look us in the eye and they say, we're lying to you and we know it. And we're going to continue lying to you. Why? Because they want to put this guy back in office. What did we get from Joe Biden? Mass deportation. I thought the left didn't like that. More military incursions, conflicts in the Middle East. I thought the left didn't like that either. What did we get from Obama and Joe Biden? Militarism, imperialism, all the things the left wants to complain about. And now they tell me I'm wrong for saying I want to vote for Trump after four historic peace deals and an actual withdrawal of our forces from the Middle East. When the media lies and spits in my face, they're not just withholding this news. They are spitting in our faces, telling us we're stupid. You're morons. Oh, we know you can tell. But we're going to make sure that no one else can because we think you're all dumb. And they might get away with it. Joe Biden might actually win because these spineless sycophants who work basically for the Democratic Party will lie, cheat and steal to empower the Democrats. Glenn Greenwald says independent journalists like Taibbi and platforms and outlets that won't censor are more rare than ever. 
especially now when most national journalists are in full on effect Biden mode at the expense of everything else. Support them. Absolutely agree. Matt Taibbi, one of the last few real journalists in existence. And he's far from a pro-Trump guy. He didn't he did an interview with someone and, and the, uh, with some leftists and like the right got really, you know, criticized him very heavily for it. But come on, man. To quote Joe Biden, this guy actually reached out to Ukrainians, to Ukrainian officials and found, yep, active investigations in this guy. Why is it so hard? Why are all of these organizations fighting so hard for Joe Biden to get him elected? I don't know. Our media is entirely corrupt. Glenn goes on. The only silver lining in all of this is that media outlets are so desperate to help Biden win that they're not even pretending anymore. No pretense. There's great clarity in that. To the NPR public editor, note the CNN panel and the rid quote and this at this stunning Christiana Amimpour clip. No purported news outlet that was worth it constrains or censors writers and reporters and forces them to advance the partisan preferences of its of editors or to flatter the ideological presuppositions of their audience. Support independent journalism, only those outlets that are free. Here, here. Will it be enough? I don't know. The New York Post opinion piece, longstanding claims of Biden corruption all but confirmed with Hunter's emails. I got a bunch of tweets to, to, that, that, that I could go through. NBC reporter Ben Collins, who has made things up in the past, says, reminder for your uncle, the press can't cover Hunter's hard drive because we don't have access to it. This isn't a WikiLeaks thing. One guy has access to it. He wouldn't give it to us. Now he's in quasi hiding because he got caught in a hotel room with Borat's daughter. Jack Posobiec of One American News, who has been publishing these emails, says, Ben is lying. I have spent all week offering access to it to his colleagues, especially Jake Tapper, and none have accepted. Many have asked me to describe things, though. Ben Collins is a liar and will always be a liar. I believe Jack did tweet to Jake Tapper saying, I've got the laptop. I've got the hard drive. Come and I'll show you this. Or like, I don't mean physically, but like, I will I will show you this information. Jack has been publishing emails He says, here's an email where the son of VP Biden tells his partner to buy a burner phone from 7-Eleven or CVS while outlining his plans for for Ukraine. The contract should begin now, not after the upcoming visit visit of my guy tells Devin to get in touch with Navy SEALs, Little Creek. In the email, buy a cell phone from a 7-Eleven or CVS tomorrow and I'll do the same. This is the break we, we have been waiting for. If they really are smart enough to understand our long-term value. Oh, what's their long-term value? According to Tony Bobolinsky, the long-term value of this deal was the Biden family name. That's what he said. He realized that what they were trying to do with China, not Ukraine, this is China, was an influence operation. So what do you think they were doing with Ukraine? The same thing. And even Hunter Biden has said as much when he said, when he was asked, do you think you'd have gotten this job if not for your last name? He says, I don't know. Probably not. So what were they really doing with Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma? And why is it that there were 13 or 14 investigations through at periods of time actively against Burisma and Slachevsky, its founder, and Joe Biden ha- happened to mosey on in conveniently kicking out that prosecutor? First question, why are we interfering in the prosecutorial discretion of a foreign nation? 
I know we do things like that a lot, I guess. Shouldn't the left be mad about that? They come to me and say, Tim, aren't you mad about our interference with Venezuela? Yes, absolutely. And the Middle East and whatever South American and African nations, all of it. I I do not believe the U.S. I, I, I do not believe we should be doing these things. I'm not a fan. So aren't I allowed to uphold my longstanding principle saying the U.S. should not be interfering in the politics of other countries in this way? Now, I understand we've got NATO, we've got the European Union and Ukraine was trying. There was there were negotiations about bringing them into, I believe, NATO and the European Union. And so that that plays a role. I'll be fair. So they want it. We want to we want a better prosecutor of this country. Otherwise, why are we going to let you in? I don't think that is the case, though. I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. So we can we, we can talk about that first question. Second question. Why did Hunter Biden fly on Air Force Two with Joe Biden to China to negotiate a private equity deal? That's just red flags. Final question. Something that we can all see and you understand already. Why won't any journalists touch this in our establishment news industries? Not a single one. I'm sorry. We had one guy from CBS ask Joe Biden. We've had some people ask, are they, you know, what do you think about him? But what I mean to say is, where has been any curious journalist to simply do a Google search or make a phone call and try and figure out if this can be corroborated? Why have no journalists reached out to Jack Posobiec saying, show me the emails? None. Or so Jack says, some have asked for descriptions. That's about it. Do we even have a news industry anymore? I think the answer is no. And it's, it's remarkable that one of the most comprehensive and important pieces about all of this was written by Matt Taibbi on his Substack. It's like a private blog. You pay him a couple bucks a month, you get access to his writing. If you really want to know what's happening, you can't go to the New York Times, the Washington Post, or any of these outlets anymore. And I often think about this. You know, I use mainstream media sources in my reporting. Very few have written about the leaked tapes of Hunter Biden doing really horrifying things. Very, very few. I believe I only found one approved, like a, a, certify, a certified source by NewsGuard. Uh, one, I think it's the Daily Mail. The rest, it's just like random blogs and stuff. Why? If this is news, because they're Democrats, because they're activists, because their goal is to gain power for the establishment machine, and that's it. Can you imagine what will happen if Donald Trump loses and this works? We have no news outlets. We have no great journalists challenging the machine and the establishment. Instead, they hate Trump so much they've chosen sides. And instead of giving you the truth and letting you decide what you think is best, this is what happens. I'm not going to sit here and pretend Donald Trump is a saint. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, that you know, that, that I am not uh, particularly biased. I announced that I'd be voting for the man because these peace agreements are good, because he's banning critical race theory and, you know, a couple other things here and there. And I, and I think we, the American people, deserve someone substantially better. But I really am worried about a Joe Biden presidency. Donald Trump has one very powerful thing above Joe Biden that leads me to say to, to be comfortable to actually make that vote. Anti-establishment. That's it. Now, of course, the peace agreements, you know, you need those and the withdrawal of the troops, the booming economy. 
that in critical race theory. He needed some good things for me to be like, I want I want these things. Most importantly, though, I do not want our country to be run by manipulative cronies who empower each other, who lie, cheat and steal. They spit in our faces with fake news all day, every day. I do not want to give those people an inch. And if that means Trump is all those things, too, at least he's not the establishment. That's that's big. It really is. Because I'll tell you what, Trump will not be permanent. Trump says four more years, four more. And then who do we vote for? Somebody else. But you let Joe Biden back in and this is what you get. The media will lie. They will cheat. They will steal. They will protect Joe Biden and he will lock the doors and the establishment will take the reins forever. You see what social media and big tech are doing. I'm surprised I'm not banned already, but this video may get nuked. It may be removed. And there it is broken down very well by Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald with respect. Gentlemen, Thank you all so much for watching. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, I've seen some things in my day, but this one absolutely takes the cake. I never, I never thought I'd see a video of Joe Biden saying that he put together the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. And I got to wonder, was this like in Biden's old age, a Freudian slip? He's just lost the filter. You know, Joe Biden's been known for his gaffes, right? And a lot of people say he can't think straight. But I've had some people tell me that when you're in your old age, you kind of just blurt things out. You just say things. You can't, you don't filter. Now they're calling this a gaffe. And uh, says who? Who says it's a gaffe? How do you know? It was clear as day when he said, okay, okay, it's a gaffe. I don't know what he was trying to say, but I got, I got to be honest. I got, I got a headache. This election makes no sense. I got a bunch. I'm trying, you know, look, okay. I wake up every morning and I'm like, what's in the news today? And I'm like reading through things and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's what. And I'm seeing all these stories like Democrats are winning Texas and like a major swing for for Democrats in Montana. <laughs> Trump Trump is winning the black vote. I'm like, what is what? It, this is amazing stuff. It's it's really really amazing stuff. I'll tell you this. I got to tell you, I'm having a good time. Um, everything's being flipped on its head. No one knows what's going on. 538 apparently has like one scenario where Trump wins California, but still loses the national election. Like, <laughs> He's not going to win California. But I guess in their forecast models, they try to have a wide range, uh, potentially accounting for any real errors or anything like that. But I just tell you, man, nothing makes sense. And I, I got a bunch of stories for you. Frank Luntz, the famous pollster, said if, if, if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden uh, loses, then he's out of a job. Like, and these people got to leave because the polls are saying Trump is going to lose. All right. I'm telling you this right now. Let me show you. I got to play you this clip. This is what it's all about. This, this, this one clip I'm going to play for you. Let, let's just listen. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the president Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Okay. 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 Hold on. 
He was reading from something. And you know, you know what I don't like in these situations is when you get a clip out of context, because I'll tell you this, it may be that what he is saying is to track down voter fraud because the Democrats have been desperately trying to claim it's not real. So I'll tell you what, Steve Guest tweeted this out. Joe Biden brags about having the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't know what that means at all. But Joe Biden was reading from something when he said it. Seriously, he's you can see the guy. He's reading a piece of paper. Look at he's reading. What is he reading? Maybe what he was saying was early on, you know, to track down voter fraud. But I, I honestly I don't think that's true because the Democrats say there isn't voter fraud. So why would they put together an organization to track it down unless they're trying to prove Trump wrong? I don't know, man. Listen, it's probably just a gaffe. It's probably just a gaffe. But I, I, I'm highlighting this because I woke up. Someone sent someone sent me this. I think it was last night. Yeah, last night it went out. And and I'm and I'm watching this like you know this morning. And I'm just like rubbing my eyes, confused. Like did did he just say that? Like it, wh- what is this? Because like even if that's a gaffe, it's a really bad one. I tell you what, man. I got no idea what's going to happen. Check it out, Frank Luntz. If pollsters are wrong. And Trump wins. People like me will have to find a new profession. I like Frank Luntz. Um, I, I, I actually, I think he does a good job. If you're not familiar, he's a very famous pollster. Uh, I, I believe he used to work specifically with Republicans. But he's been doing these things during debates and like town halls where he has undecided voters and he asks them questions. And, and it's, it, I got to be honest, man. When I hear the opinions of his undecided voters, it sounds like real life. But when you turn on, you know, MSNBC or NBC or ABC or whatever, or CNN, it seems like they live in this paranoid and delusional reality. And, you know, turning on Fox News, I'll tell you this, Fox News certainly has its own version of reality, too. I'm not saying right or wrong, but more more closer to the real world. And I'll, I'll tell you what my basis for this is, right? When I go out, like there was a post from CNN. OK, it was Brian Stelter. And he said that Trump speaks a language that only like Fox News understands. And I'm just like, dude, when I go to the store, OK, and I, I live in a blue, blue, blue area. It's like D plus eight. It's very, very heavily blue. We've been setting up the new studio. So I've, I've, I've been out for about you know a couple of weeks. But uh, we, we were just there the other day. I went to, I went, I went to the dentist, right? Cause I don't know if you guys remember when I was like, I had to get, you know, I, we couldn't do the IRL podcast cause I had to get a crown and stuff. And the, and, and these, these people in, in the blue area were telling me they were lifelong Democrats and they're complaining about all of this stuff like Antifa, you know, Joe Biden gaffing, him not being all there. And these are talking points from Fox News, right? Or from a channel like mine. And they didn't even know who I was initially. Initially, they were like, had no idea the content I produced or anything like that. And I remember, you know, uh, asking like, what do you, you know, because I, I try, I always try to talk to regular people about this stuff. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, is Trump going to win? They told me they were voting for Trump and Republican straight, you know, down ticket and that they were lifelong Democrats. And I've heard this over and over again. There are these posts about people quitting the Democratic Party, either becoming independent voting, you know, at, you know, or whatever. And, and, and what you got to understand is it's not so much about people quitting the Democratic Party. What people don't seem to realize is that unaffiliated is way bigger than the part, the parties. The Democrats, I think, in 2016 was like 36 percent. Republicans were like 30 percent. And then the rest was uh, unaffiliated, which was like it's a way bigger or I think unaffiliated and then a bit of, you know, like third party. But for the most part, people just they're independent. 
And so you have independents who are left, like left independent and right independent, and they typically vote in that specific direction. That means Republicans win because moderate voters tend to vote Republican, but don't vote for the Republican Party. Not always, not always. What we're seeing now, in my opinion, are nonpartisans who typically vote Democrat voting Republican. But I'll tell you this, the point, the point of what I'm getting at, I got no idea what's going to happen. And anybody tells you they know what's going to happen, they're lying. Okay, so listen, I put out a lot of videos that are like, here's why Trump is winning. Here's good things for Trump. And I always try to clarify in them. First of all, it may just be wishful thinking. I'm trying to find reasons to explain why Trump should win. When in reality, all of the polls are saying no dice. And we're talking about polls that are just so wrong, like wrong beyond all recognition. If Trump wins, think about this. There will be no media anymore. Think about it. Frank Luntz, if pollsters are wrong and Trump wins, people like me will have to find a new profession. Let me read you this. This is crazy. Frank Luntz told Fox News, Brett Bayer on Thursday, uh, Thursday night, that his profession is done if Trump wins re-election and proves the national polls wrong yet again. I hate to acknowledge it because that's my industry, at least partially, but the public will have no faith, no confidence, Luntz said Thursday. Right now, the biggest issue is the trust deficit. Pollsters did not do a good job in 2016. So if Donald Trump surprises people, if Joe Biden had a five or six point lead, my profession is done. If the numbers turn out to be wrong, if Donald Trump is right and these pollsters are wrong about this race, then people like me are going to have to find a new profession. Check it out. Political polls. This is from the University of Texas. Has Joe Biden up three points? In Texas, in Texas, hasn't been Democrat in 44 years. And the polls are saying Texas is going blue. Okay, maybe this is why so many people say the only way the Democrats will win is if they cheat, because how is that possible? Come on. They were were even I I covered this yesterday. They were saying Montana flip. Montana swung 13 points towards Democrats. Do people hate Donald Trump that much? I got to be honest. I don't think so. I talk to regular people all the time in many different places. And while you know, you know, I find a, a decent amount of I find a decent amount of people who don't like Trump. That's true. Who want to vote for him because they want that money. Now, COVID may have changed things. That's for sure. But they've been saying like even before COVID that Biden would beat Trump and all this stuff. So I'm not convinced. You know, I see I see there was that UFC guy. Trump's running this ad on YouTube where he tells the people of Florida, we don't want to let the Democrats turn this into like, you know, what they did to Venezuela and Cuba. I see these issues and these things are prominent in the conversations I have with regular people. This is what I I try to do to stay grounded. I follow liberal outlets, conservative outlets, liberal like leftist activists. I hate saying liberal because liberals are basically, you know, either not paying attention or voting for Trump, to be completely honest. But I talk to like a, a lot of regular people. I follow people on the left. I follow people on the right, and I talk to as many unaffiliated people as I can. Earlier this year, I had a contractor, and he was like 26 or whatever, and he said he doesn't know much about politics, but he's sick of turning on the news and hearing them just rag on Trump and not give him an opportunity, so he's voting for Trump. And, and this is like a regular working class union guy, and I was like, you're going to vote for Trump? And it's a blue area, okay? Blue, deep blue. I don't know. I don't know you say deep blue. It's like D plus eight, but it's like, it's New Jersey, Okay. And this dude was just like, I don't know, man, I don't I just think like, man, they won't leave this guy alone. You know, it's 
And I started laughing. I was like, is that your reason for voting for him? Because I got to be honest, like, I don't know. if I, And he just said he doesn't think that Trump had an opportunity to actually be president. And, 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 he, and, he, and he just so he's like, I'm going to I'm going to let the guy get another another go at it. I was talking to another guy, told me he voted Democrat union his whole life. And now he's voting for Donald Trump. What's crazy about this is how could it be that we hear like the Boilermakers 154 in Pennsylvania endorses Donald Trump? That's Pennsylvania union workers. And they're saying Joe Biden's going to win. We got in the Iron Range, six mayors said they're voting for Donald. They're endorsing Donald Trump. And there was some pushback from other Iron Range you know, people. This is like North Minnesota. It's a Democrat stronghold. And they're saying Donald Trump's going to lose. That's crazy to me, man. So look at this. Texas poll shows Biden is up three points. But in early voting right now, where Democrats are supposed to have the advantage, this was the predictions from all the forecasters. Republicans are up by like, what, 11 or 12 points in early voting. That's just Republicans. So we're assuming those votes are for Trump. I guess if those Republican partisan voters are voting for Joe Biden because Trump is the worst guy on the planet, maybe the numbers make sense. I tell you this, though, man, Trump is not that bad for all of his faults and all of his problems and everything like that. We had a great economy and things were fine for most people who weren't following the news. And now what? COVID hits. Things get bad. Are people really that dumb? I tell you this, man, we could be wrong. What if we are wrong? Here's what I always say. I try to figure out who's in the real world. Like, and what I mean by that is who's in the bigger reality bubble, meaning which one of our worldviews is more likely to work for regular people? I tell you what, I think it's us. Now, of course, they think it's them, right? But let me tell you why. If I went to a regular person and ask them how they felt about white supremacists, they're going to be like, those are awful people. Great. Excellent. We agree. How do you feel about those people wearing all black Antifa going around smashing up business? Oh, those are bad people too. Absolutely. We agree. So I can come out and say, we're seeing a ton of violence from the left. And we also have serious problems with extremist white supremacists. And people are going to be like, yes, you don't get that from the left. They ignore Antifa. They defend Antifa. In what sane world can you go to a to a city and be like, don't you love it when these people romp around smashing up your, your storefronts? No. Listen, I'm from Chicago. On the far west suburbs, we got places like Geneva, St. Charles, Naperville. I mean, these places sometimes uh, like the suburbs can be red. But Chicago, for the most part, is a blue place, okay? So I, I grew up in the city, in the actual city. Everybody votes Democrat. They say, vote Democrat, vote Democrat. Okay, well, the city's been, like, you know, run poorly for decades. But sure, if that's what you want to do, you go ahead and do it. Now, in the suburbs, things get a little bit more, you know, mixed. But for the most part, still pretty Democrat. I'm talking to some people who are complaining about Nancy Pelosi they're, they're angry that Pelosi won't just sign off on this deal. And I had someone say to me, like, why won't Nancy Pelosi sign off on the relief package? You know, she just wants to cram through this stupid BS about voting or whatever. And I laughed and I'm like, how do you know that? What news are you watching that you heard this? Tucker Carlson's ratings have shattered records. The most watched cable TV news program in history. When we were told that cord cutting was coming and TV was on the way out, ratings had been, had been in steady decline. And now all of a sudden, Tucker Carlson's the most watched show in TV history. To be fair, though, Rachel Maddow and Anderson Cooper are getting tremendous ratings. Like CNN and MSNBC are, are, are killing it as well. Tucker is obviously doing better. But if you combine the anti-Trump narrative, it's way more than the pro-Trump narrative. So I have to wonder, man, 
who are, how is it that I run across, I come across so many people who would say that they hate, they're sick of the Democrats, they're sick of the BS, and they don't like critical race theory. Yet I'm supposed to sit here and believe that Trump is losing Texas. Think about that for two seconds. Trump is losing Texas. Now, okay. I've seen, I've seen the demographic polls and everything, the changes in the, in the, in the southern, uh, southern Texas turning blue. You got Austin, of course. You got the big cities that are turning blue. But really? I mean, look, to be fair, it was close with Beto and Ted Cruz. So maybe. But according to the Washington Post, they're saying in aggregate, Texas is the closest race in the country. I'll tell you what. Fine. The pollsters are right. Whatever is going on, the landscape, the landscape, the political landscape in this country has been flipped and shaken up and thrown and splattered. And who knows what anymore? Who knows who's voting where or what or why? That's why I think it's all busted. But Frank Luntz makes an interesting point. Do you want to bet against the entire polling industry? Listen, a lot of people say the polls were wrong in 2016. They were wrong early on, definitely. Like there was ridiculous polls. But many people assume the polls were actually right. So, so let, me, let me clarify. There was points where like Hillary Clinton was up double digits. And people are like, see, the polls were wrong because she ended up losing. Or it could be email scandal, Anthony Weiner's laptop, things like that came out. And then people just flipped at the last minute. Now with early voting, one of the reasons Democrats wanted early and mail voting was so that they could get all of these votes before the October surprise. Because here's what happens. A week before the election in October, someone drops some damning information and it's fresh in everyone's minds. And then come election day, everyone votes for the other person. By doing early voting, which is where we're seeing most votes come in, people have already voted. And now they hear Joe Biden say he wants to end the oil industry. And now people are probably going, oh, no, what have I done? If only I paid attention. And I'm not trying to be mean, but yeah, probably a lot of people in Pennsylvania went out and voted early because they're like, ah, I'm just going to vote early. You know, Trump's crazy. Then they watch Joe Biden say, I will end the oil industry. And what did we see? In the past week, you can check us out on trends.google.com. There is a spike in people saying, can I change my vote? With Pennsylvania being the fourth, uh, the, the fourth highest searched like location, like people in Pennsylvania were voting for this at the fourth highest numbers. Now, maybe they watch the debate and they say, I hate Trump. I want to change my vote from Trump to Biden. I really doubt it. I do not meet people who say, Joe Biden is the best and we've got to defeat Trump. I, I, I see the activists. But look, in New Jersey, I've seen, I think I saw one Biden-Harris sign the other day, which is kind of surprising to me. I see someone planted a Trump flag in this swampy marsh where there's no access. I'm like, how did they get in there? It's like a big, open, swampy area. You're like driving, driving over this bridge and there's a massive Trump flag in a blue area. So I can tell you this. I have no idea what's going to happen. Nobody does. No one does. That's why the betting odds have Biden at like 60, 60% and Trump at like 40%. And then 538 has Biden at, what is it, 88, 87%. Why are the pollsters giving us better odds than the, the actual betting platforms is what I, is what I, you know, what I find funny. But let me show you a couple more things on the way out. Rasmussen. Trump approval among likely black voters jumps to 46% after debate. Are you, are you, is this for real? Is Trump polling at 46% among black voters? Everything's changing. I mean, these things happen. We, we go through political upheaval. Florida, Trump is at 49 to Biden's 46, according to Rasmussen. That's Rasmussen. You know, Rasmussen's fairly pro-Trump. 
I, I was reading that, you know, people are saying that Miami Dade right now is flipping Republican in early voting. I couldn't find anything on that. I couldn't find any official voting data. Maybe I just missed it. But I, I heard that from people and I'm like, that would be nuts. Miami is blue. Like Miami, it's a city. It's, it's blue. They're saying right now Republicans in Miami Dade County have flipped. That's true. Like, it's Trump landslide territory. Like, I don't see how you have these blue areas flip for Trump and then, you know, Trump ends up losing. We'll see, though. You know, in, in, in December of last year in the UK, there were some areas that had never voted conservative for like 90 years, flipped conservative. And I wonder if we would see something like that. And we might actually see it. But let, let me show you a couple uh, interesting things on the way out here. Biden breaks all time television spending record. Trump just bought the YouTube masthead. You probably see it. You're on YouTube. And he's got a bunch of ads. The, the, the videos he put up are really funny because it's like they hired someone who used to like they hired someone who made YouTube videos five years ago. And they got like the eggplant emoji and like the exploding head emoji. It's like, got to get that Gen Z vote, Trump. Huh? I mean, I guess. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to convince Gen Z by making one of these videos. You know, most of these people are probably motivated by just fitting in. That could be it. They're saying youth voter turnouts at an all time high. Um, but the thing, which uh, the thing you got to understand right now about early voting is it doesn't mean more voting. Early voting means people have, who 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 are going to vote are voting. Now, in some places, they're really close to 100 percent of the votes cast in 2016. That's why many of them think, uh, many many uh, pundits and forecasters think we're going to see historic voter turnout. I'm not entirely convinced because Gallup said voter enthusiasm is not remarkable. So it looks like we may be above average. But I, look again. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to believe they know what's going to happen. So I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I watch these videos. Uh, I, I read these stories. I see these polls. Frank Luntz says Joe Biden will win. I trust the guy. I do. I look at the polls saying in the forecast saying Joe Biden's going to win. OK. Last night I voted. I voted for Donald Trump and Republican. The, the few choices that I had, because it was only like two or three choices, I knew some of them and I said, whatever, man. It's the first time in my life I've, I've just gone straight Republican, Republican president. And I'm not a big political person. I did, you know, a lot of people like to claim that I'm some like staunch liberal pretending to be a liberal. And I was like, no, I've always been independent leaning left. I've never been partisan. I was never like a hardcore Democrat. Republicans try to claim it. I've seen these, 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 uh, you know, articles will pop up saying like, you know, staunch Democrat Tim Pool flips. And it's like, eh, not, not true, you know, but it, it fits the narrative. And the left tries to say Tim Pool's not really a, a, a liberal. He was never a Democrat. That's true. But I am a liberal. And you know, who I respect the most Antifa. You know why? And not in and uh, only in the political definition space. Well, actually, no, I take that back. I respect them when they talk about me. And that's it. You know why? Because they call me a stupid liberal. <laughs> Because they know what a liberal is. Yeah, they call me a stupid liberal because they know what a liberal is. And then these resistance Democrats don't know what a liberal is. Liberals, any true liberal knows that Donald Trump is the most liberal candidate you have to choose from, even though he is conservative for the most part. He's actually fairly moderate. Anyway, anyway, look, if these polls are wrong and think about this, it will be earth shattering, earth shattering. Seriously, that would mean every forecaster, every news outlet, every university for the second time in a row got it wrong. Our seers, those gazing into the crystal ball have no idea what they're looking at. 
And perhaps it's wishful thinking to believe that's the case. Perhaps the power of the media is more than you know. And there's a big difference between this cycle and last cycle. You see, in 2015, you had negative press about Trump, but you had a lot of negative press about Hillary and a lot of people didn't like Hillary. We had four years of negative press about Trump. And I kid you not, now Barack Obama is campaigning on this idea where he's like, he's like, think about it. A day where you don't got to hear about Donald Trump. A day where the media doesn't say anything about Donald Trump. And I'm like, that's the media doing that, dude. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. These media companies are desperate. They were on the way out before Trump. They have used the partisan message and shock content to stay alive. They are desperate. I warned about this back in 27, 2016. Shane Smith of Vice News said there'd be a bloodbath in digital media. Well, you know how they staved off part of that bloodbath? They grasped onto Donald Trump. Either you love him or you hate him. And that's it. And that's all these networks have. When Trump is gone, it is going to be amazing. You know why? And I don't mean in terms of what happens to this country. I don't mean in terms of policy and politics because I voted for Trump. What I'm saying is it'll be amazing to watch these news outlets explode. What will they cover? They're not going to write about Joe Biden. They're going to have nothing. Are they going to write about Trump? He's just a guy now. Ryan Long, the comedian, did a really great sketch about this. So you should check that out on his YouTube channel where it's like they're in their office, like all sweaty and like, what do we write about? And that's it. They'll have nothing. I don't know if they'll have the culture war anymore. I don't know what they'll do. But I'll let, let me wrap it up with this. Wishful thinking, huh? It's possible the media is wrong. Seriously. Think about how wrong they were about Russiagate and they won awards for it. So, Frank, you might be out of a job. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Riots and protests are erupting around the world over the ongoing coronavirus lockdowns, which are probably only going to get worse as they start to say that we are facing a second wave. And I'll tell you what, there's it's a rock in a hard place. We don't want more people dying. But at a certain point, as Trump has said, the cure can't be worse than the disease. So what do we do if we lock down too much, which we probably already have? We destroy everything. More people will lose their lives, as the U.N. warned months ago. Two hundred and fifty million people face starvation due to the economic lockdown. Now, I'm not here to do a big, long rant about my opinion on, on the lockdowns and what we should or shouldn't do. I want to show you what's happening. And it's very strange, to be honest. First, we have these uh, riots in Rome. Far right demonstrators clash. The funny thing about it is that the Sunday Times in the UK says fascists and mafia behind anti-lockdown riots in Naples two arrested as marchers protest against health dictatorship. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to read you these stories. Maybe they're far right, sure, fine, whatever. But isn't it a little weird to claim that the people who want an end to the government enforced lockdown are the real fascists here? It seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Now, I want to show you something. I The reason I think this is important is because I think the COVID argument and how it's viewed is dramatically different. Uh, the, the, the way it's viewed is radically different between left and right. And I think although many people on the right may be wearing masks because they it's a social pressure, I believe deep down, many of these people don't want to wear them, don't care. 
and want it to be over with. I think the left is extremely scared. Let me show you this. This is from the Donald.win Trump rally in Pennsylvania. Look at all these people. Oh, no, they're not socially distancing. And they don't care. Why does anyone assume that anyone else does? Is Trump trying to win over people who are scared of COVID? Perhaps, yes. Trump's based. They're not worried about it. I don't know why. I don't know if they should or shouldn't be. I would say that I take it seriously. I wear my mask. Uh, I think people should wear masks. And, and Trump supporters are they're wearing the MAGA masks at all the rallies. Let me show you another photo. Here we have We Will Win. And it's a sea of Trump supporters. Of course, yes, they're all wearing masks. I know the media like to scream. But I saw this. I saw the riots, the unrest. And I thought to myself, if Trump wins, I do believe this will all go away. I do. I'm not saying COVID will simply cease to exist. But based on the death counts, based on the news, I'm going to tell you this. I believe that we have beaten the worst of COVID, in my personal opinion, based off of all of the data so far. They say a second wave is coming. Far be it from me to challenge the experts. I don't know. But I think people are over it. I don't think anyone cares at this point. And that may mean more people lose their lives. But as Trump has said repeatedly, the cure can't be worse than the disease. You know, I will mention something that I find particularly interesting, though. I think I have the story here. Has COVID killed off the flu? Experts pose the intriguing question as influenza cases nosedive by 98% across the globe. Many feared twindemic of flu, which killed thousands, and COVID this winter, 30 million people, 20% uh, 20 more than normal, now eligible for the flu jab. Surveillance data collected by WHO shows flu cases plummeted globally. It's really fascinating. Uh, how is the flu transmitted? Is it transmitted uh, through the air? I'm not entirely sure. I believe so. Like coughing on people and stuff. Maybe touching them. But what I, when I saw this, I was curious because how is it that we've locked everything down? The flu is gone, but COVID is coming back. Like what's causing that? What's the difference between COVID and the flu? Uh, in, 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 uh, rate of infection could be worse. So it could be at that threshold. I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people try and claim that this is like a conspiracy and that COVID is the flu. That's, 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 I don't believe that. What I'm saying is if the infection rate for flu is just below that number it needs, and then the lockdown is working, getting rid of it, and COVID is just above it, it stands to reason that you could theoretically just end COVID with a lockdown. But I'll tell you this, we've been locked down. COVID is coming back. That means the lockdown didn't work. And now the World Health Organization and the UN are saying we shouldn't you know, lock down anymore. So listen, I think a lot of this is going to come down to whether or not people are scared of COVID. And it may be that more people are scared, scared of COVID than aren't, in which case Trump may actually lose. This election is very, very strange. But I want to tell you something. So we do the Timcast IRL podcast, and we want to book anybody and everybody to have a conversation. You're welcome to come in, hang out. And I think we, we have been lacking for leftists. We've had some people with sort of left-wing you know, views to an extent, and it's very difficult to book leftists because they're collectivists, they're scared of cancel culture, and they don't want to speak unless they're approved. I tried interviewing the Democratic Socialists of America a couple of years ago, and they said they had to go through like a process to determine whether or not they could actually do the interview with the right. I could walk up to any right-wing individual and say, I'd like to interview you. They'll be like, go for it. So right now, the reason I bring this up, we're trying to book many people for the Timcast IRL podcast. Uh, it's really funny. It's, it's a conversation show, which many of you, you, you may have seen it. Check it out. YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. The left is terrified. They, they're scared of COVID. So I put out a tweet saying that it's always been very difficult to book leftists 
I had a few people do this public posturing of, I'll go on your show. And then I responded with, awesome, we'd love to have you. It's a live in-studio show at 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Here's the dates we have available. Two individuals agreed to it. And then public, they, they, say, they, they publicly said, we're going to go, we're going to debate, blah, 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 whatever. And everybody, all their fans are hooting. And they privately messaged me saying, we're not coming. Uh, both individuals said, we're scared of COVID. There's a poll from Gallup that shows that 5% of Democratic men feel ready to re-engage with the world and go back to normal. And it's something like 60% or so of Republicans. So Donald Trump really does need to convince the moderates, which they didn't have data on the moderates, unfortunately. He really needs to convince them that things are going to be okay and they can come out and vote. So here's what's interesting. Early voting should, uh, I'm wondering if Democrats are going to be hurt in the long run because they're so scared of COVID. Now, it could be the individuals when it comes to Timcast uh, IRL were just lying. Oh, no, COVID. Oh, we're so scared. But in reality, they just didn't want to come on the show because it'd probably make them look bad or they could get canceled. The left would would drag them and try and destroy their careers. That's what they do. For whatever reason, they were scared. That's the easiest way to put it. These individuals got scared, be it COVID or anything else. Their official answer was, we're scared of COVID. If you're too scared to come into a, you know, socially distanced space where we have all the proper protocols, everything's cleared, like where, where, the, where the studio is, is we're, we're within all the guidelines. We didn't do guests for the entire year, you know, for several months. And then we started doing them again once the guidelines like reopened up. There have been other shows that literally just never stopped, but they're still scared. I wonder how that will impact the election. I don't entirely know, but uh, suffice it to say, Trump supporters are ready to get back, ready to get back. They're ready to come out. And I think what I'm trying to get at is it's not so much enthusiasm for Donald Trump. Okay. It's a combination of enthusiasm for Trump and not being worried. The, The people who want to vote for Trump care more about voting for Trump than getting sick. And it seems like the Democrats care more about not getting sick than they do about voting against Trump. Joe Biden has no uh, uh, Trump. Joe Biden has no voter enthusiasm. It's very, very low. But anti-Trump enthusiasm is very, very high. That's a lot of people need to consider. But if people don't actually care about Joe Biden and they're terrified of the coronavirus to the point where they, they don't want to leave their homes, then I think on election day, we are going to see a massive wave of in-person voting. Now, now, this segment wasn't supposed to be on Trump and his supporters and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, man, if people are scared to go out, how could Joe Biden hope to win? They're counting on the mail-in ballots, I suppose. But Trump is already going to start challenging those, and there's going to be a lot of problems. I think the Democrats have created a serious problem for themselves by pushing the coronavirus thing over and over again to the point where now Democrats are mortified. Like You have stories in California where they're ironing their ballots, or what was it? Where They're microwaving them, they're disinfecting them, and they're destroying them by doing it. Please don't do this just destroying them, mailing in soggy, smeared ballots that can't be processed and people's votes are not being counted. You then have mail-in vote voting failing. Like you, you have mail-in voting errors, a higher margin of error than regular in-person voting. And this has been the, the Atlantic warned about this saying it would backfire on Democrats. I think the COVID push from Democrats and the establishment uh, uh, from these politicians, it's going to backfire horribly. Think about this. Let me show you this story from from NPR. 
Police arrest anti-lockdown protest leader in New York's Orthodox Jewish community. This is from October 12th. This is a guy named uh, Hershey uh, Tischler, Harold Tischler, an activist in the city's Orthodox Jewish neighborhood of Borough Park. He was taken into custody Sunday following an October 7th protest against uh, the limits, uh, limits against uh, limits on the number of worshipers in synagogues. So I show you this. Think about New York. Think about what they've done in response to COVID. Early on, I think we had very serious problems. Clearly, something came out of China, and then we all reacted. Uh, uh, 200 and some odd thousand people, 220 or so thousand people have lost their lives, and it's horrifying. It really is. But if you look at the data, it seems like we're past that storm. They're saying there may be a second wave, but we've already seen many of these states see little bumps and then go away again. Think about what New York did to its economy. It destroyed it completely, and it drove the rich people and the middle class away. That money leaves. That's money for political influence Democrats need. They have lost a key portion of their revenue needed for campaigning. Now, some suggest that because COVID happened earlier in the year and many people started fleeing, you started seeing these upper class, middle, middle upper class progressives go into more red areas. They may have then registered to vote in those areas, which seems likely, and they will then swing those areas for Joe Biden. And that's possible. It's entirely possible. It's hard to know for sure, but there's another argument there. New York destroyed its base, drove everyone out, but the people didn't all go to the same places. With around 400 or 500,000 or so people who are leaving, many of them went to existing blue areas, and many of them went to areas that were red, but not enough of them went there to actually swing the vote from red, from blue, uh, from, I'm sorry, from red to blue. In which case, all that did was dilute the voting power of New York City. I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, know what will happen, but I'll tell you this. In New York, these people are all voting for Trump. How many people are Democrats who are now saying, I'm sick and tired of the lockdowns. I want a Republican to just open it up. Because I'll tell you this. We talk about shy Trump voters, right? They say shy Trump voters are people who are scared of the social ramifications of admitting they will vote for Donald Trump because Trump is such a divisive and nasty guy. I believe these people exist because cancel culture is real. You have massive corporations and activist groups that will come and destroy your life if you come out and say you're voting for Trump. It's a fact. You can get fired from your job. They can retaliate against you. They might not give you a promotion. People are really scared. Cloud Research is a website I often show. Four different PhDs and an MS did research finding, and they found 10% of Trump voters say that they'll lie to pollsters. Take into consideration the people who don't want to admit they'll vote for Trump. And now take into consideration the people who don't want to admit they're okay with more death. And that's the bigger secret vote. The polls were wrong in in 2016, but they were wrong. Uh, this, this, here's what's going on. I, I love this narrative, what the media is doing. About a month out from the election or so, we saw ridiculous polls saying Hillary Clinton was up by like double digits, 16 points, 12 points, whatever. We're seeing the same thing with Joe Biden now. In the aggregate, Hillary Clinton was up on Trump by several points and Joe Biden is up a couple points more. So, so consider that. As we got closer to the actual election, things got tighter and Hillary Clinton had like a three point lead on average. She ended up winning the national popular vote by, I believe, I believe like two point something points. So the polls were wrong. Now what happens is Trump supporters are saying the polls are going to be wrong again. The media class, the pundits say the polls were only wrong by a point or two. There's no way. 
There's no way that that Biden loses. But what they ignore is that this time in the election for Hillary, she was way up on Donald Trump. She were, seriously, I think there was one poll that was like 16 points. Someone's sharing. Consider this. Let's say there were secret voters in, in 2016. The pollsters didn't see Trump's non-college educated white voters. They missed that. That made the polls wrong to a certain degree. Trump ended up winning. It could also be that Trump really did swing the polls around at the very last minute. That's one of the reasons they've been pushing for early voting and mail-in voting so that Trump can't make last-minute plays. They're hoping that four years of screaming orange man bad will be enough to get people to go out. They draw it out over a long period of time so that one October surprise can't cost them the election. It's all part of the strategy. Granted, COVID plays a role in this for sure. They're taking advantage of this. Now consider this. How many people are tired of the lockdowns, want everything to open up, and then they hear, but you're killing grandma if you do this? Yes, perhaps. But how many of them are saying, oh, I know, you know, it's so bad. We can't let grandma die. And then thinking to themselves, I need my job back. I just don't care anymore. I'd be willing to bet people are a bit more selfish than uh, we realize. And I often say I'm not saying it to be disrespectful. I'm just saying that at, at the end of the day, man, people need to take care of themselves first. That's an individual's priority themselves. We are not part of this, you know, ant colony all serving the queen. So when the lockdowns get really bad, people lose their jobs. And everyone says it's Trump's fault. They're probably like, yeah, you know, oh, Trump's so bad. And they say, you know, if, if we if we release the lockdown now, a lot more people are going to die. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's 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 crazy. And then Trump says, we got to open up. We got to open up. And these people are probably not willing to admit they're OK with the idea that people will die if we do open up. I mean it. And I know there's gonna be a lot of leftists saying like, look what Tim is saying that, that can, that people would rather someone die. It's like, uh, yes, people are selfish. People are selfish. Sorry. But I gotta tell you, when you look at the data, 99% of people recover, I think for, for the people about over 70, it's like 97.5, I think, which is a fairly high mortality rate. But a lot of these people, you're over 70. I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone to die. So we definitely need to protect the vulnerable. But take a look at what the World Health Organization is saying about this. No more lockdowns. You got to reopen. Take a look at what's going on in Sweden. So I've got a friend in Sweden and I asked her, how is it? And she says, great. And I was like, Are you, you guys never locked down. Nope. Have you uh, like, have things been rough? Have businesses been closed? Nope. Everything's normal. I, OK, but where? Stockholm. OK, um, everything's fine. Everything's normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've not noticed people dying. Nope. Are people dying? Uh, yeah, some. And I'm like, but everything seems to be fine. Yeah, we haven't noticed anything. So they're going about their lives as normal. They never locked down and their curves look comparable to ours. Now, of course, many on the left will say they've got universal health care, blah, blah, blah. And for sure. And tests are easy to get. Absolutely. Those are those are things to consider. But those are arguments for a health care system, not against a lockdown. OK, that's an argument for should we implement universal health care? And by all means, have that argument. But if we're talking about getting the economy back up and running, it's it's it stands to reason we should have done it a long time ago. And that's me going off of the World Health Organization and the U.N. saying we can't do this anymore. Long story short, I suppose we got riots. We got thousands taking to the street of London. We got two nights of riots in Italy. These the, these lockdowns cannot continue. People are, are reaching their wits end and the and, and, and they're suffering. So I wonder, ultimately, I wonder if Donald Trump is calling for opening the economy. 
I wonder how many people hate Donald Trump, but agree with him on this one and just want things to be normal again. Joe Biden has said he'll listen to the scientists. And many scientists have said we should lock down. In fact, Anthony Fauci recently called for a, a mask mandate, saying if people won't wear them, perhaps we should mandate them. That's who Joe Biden would listen to. Trump is betting that most people want life to return to normal. Joe Biden is betting that most people just believe whatever the mainstream media tells them. But I think the problem with Democrats is that they view people like statistics. They view them as numbers. Trump views them as people. Trump is then preaching to an individual's baser instincts and their desires. And Joe Biden is operating on the assumption that the numbers they read are correct. Here's how many people think this. Here's how many, how many people think that. This is the appropriate approach. Trump came out and said Black Lives Matter was a Marxist organization. And he goes, eh, if I'm wrong, I'll lose an election. I mean, it's not even about that. It's about whether or not people know and agree. But Trump came out and says that when Trump talks, he, he speaks like he's 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 being authentic and real. And for all for all of his faults and all his problems, too. And of course, the dude lies a lot. He does. He's wrong a lot. The media accuses, accuses him of intentionally misleading people. I think it's fair to say he's wrong. You know, whether or not he's lying intentionally is hard to prove. But the issue I see is with Joe Biden, we're looking at a massive lockdown. We're looking at thousands taking to the streets. We're looking at protests. But in the United States, when it when it comes to Trump, we've got massive rallies. We've got people who are not socially distancing. And these rallies, there are thousands upon thousands of people standing side by side. I don't see Joe Biden getting that. So I, I look, ultimately, I don't know. I saw this story about the riots in Italy, and I thought to myself, will we see something like that? If Joe Biden wins, he will lock things down. He absolutely will, because we've seen it from the governors. We've seen it from Cuomo. We've seen it from uh, Murphy and, and Wolf. These Rust Belt states, Gretchen Whitmer, they have locked everything down, even though we now know it's unconstitutional because it's been ruled in several different instances, though I don't think we have a Supreme Court ruling yet. There's Joe Biden will likely do this. You look at what's going on in Europe. Joe Biden will follow suit and lock down. And then we may actually end up seeing mass riots because these people supporting Trump. I tell you, you know, what, you know, what freaks me out. I could never imagine a 45 year old like tradesman throwing a Molotov. But you lock the country down. You start arresting people and doing what they're doing in Australia. And I think you might end up seeing that. Anyway, look. You know, I originally wanted to talk about the riots in Italy and all that stuff, but seeing these rallies of Trump supporters, I started to realize, I think the media is wrong about COVID. What I, and what I mean is that people are voting based on this and they'll vote for Biden because they're not happy with Trump's job. But Trump has called for reopening the economy while protecting the vulnerable. I think regular people are saying, that's what I want. And the media thinks most people are going to reject that and just want lockdowns. I guess we'll see how that plays out because we are in the election now. It's not so much about election night. It's now. Election night is just the top of the hill. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is my main channel, different from this one. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all over there. Socialist Magazine Jacobin recently tweeted this. Facebook is now blocking our videos for violating community standards that trigger certain keywords. Was it the Marxist, Bolivia, or Biden? In the post, we see an image that says your video is blocked and can't be viewed by others. It was a post from Jacobin Magazine, a verified Facebook account saying, we have a new episode of Weekends with Anna Kasparian and Nando Villa. 
featuring Marxist economist Richard Wolff. We're talking about the Jeffrey Tubin incident, the socialist victory in Bolivia, and whether Bernie can pressure a Biden administration. First, let me just say, censorship is wrong, 100% wrong. Jacobin should not be censored. I do not see why this video should be barred in any capacity. And as for what it's worth, I'm calling on Facebook and any other platform to restore this video and allow them their speech. Of course, I must add, is it surprising to anyone that the left is now being censored? I mean, you had conservatives being censored on big tech by big tech, even right now, the New York Post and establishment Democrats and establishment progressives are actively cheering on censorship, saying, I'm glad they're removing this stuff because apparently they're too stupid to read a history book or apparently they're too stupid to read Jacobin magazine. That's right. I am here to tell you all censorship is wrong and I am in agreement with Jacobin magazine on several important issues they've brought up, notably an article called The Anti-Fascist Boomerang, how anti-fascist speech laws end up targeting the left, saying there are good historical reasons why the left shouldn't support illiberal government measures in the name of crushing fascism, as an example of the UK's Public Order Act and the Brown Scare in the U.S. show. In the U.S. show, once the tools of oppression are deployed against hateful groups, their targeting inevitably drifts leftward over time standing ovation to Jacobin magazine. I got to be honest, I'm not a socialist, don't like socialism. Jacobin has produced a decent amount of good articles talking about why it's bad to ban speech. And now Jacobin is being victim of the leftists who have called for hate speech laws and banning speech. And that is, in my opinion, a very serious problem because, listen, I may disagree with you on economic policy, but if we can agree on the free speech, that's a great start. Take a look at this article. Care about free speech? Take on the power of Facebook and Twitter. It is, in, it is incredibly important to protect free speech and by extension, the internet as a space to cultivate and share ideas and viewpoints that may fall outside the mainstream. That means curbing the power of billionaires like Mark Zuckerberg. Another standing ovation, good sirs. And then we have this. The threat to civil liberties goes way beyond cancel culture. And this, is, this article, they talk about the threats to free speech. Listen, if I were to tell you that Jacobin has repeatedly defended free speech, would you believe me? When you do a simple Google search of Jacobin and free speech, you see these articles. Now, I'm not going to pretend every single article they've ever, ever published has been in defense of these ideals, but I can absolutely disagree with you on economic policy, on how you feel the government should be run, so long as we don't get violent, nobody gets violent, and we agree that we're allowed to speak. Jacobin apparently has done that. They're being censored. But I tell you now the hypocrisy comes from one of the hosts unfortunately, of the Jacobin magazine show. You see, the show they were doing was with Young Turks member Anna Kasparian, who's pro-censorship. She is. She admits it. She tries denying it, but admits it at the same time. So Jacobin, while I can defend you because you've defended free speech, and I respect it 100%, I got to say, don't be surprised when your content is banned, when you have people like Anna Kasparian who calls for this active censorship don't believe me? Let me show you. Mr. Jimmy Dore. Jimmy's great, by the way. I think Jimmy does a fantastic job. Tweeted. In response to this, I had many spirited debates about censorship in the, t in, in the Young Turks studio. I was warning that being pro-censorship will always come back to bite the left even harder. Reminder, no matter how much you hate someone who is speaking, the antidote to bad speech is more speech, not censorship. 
And this is why we love you, Jimmy, because you have principles and integrity. And we may disagree on economic issues or things like that. But Jimmy is correct. And so was Jacobin Magazine in those earlier, earlier posts. I, I, I've used, believe it or not, I've used Jacobin on many instances because they've been right about issues of like uh, violence and speech and things like this before. And they've called out the Democrats and Joe Biden, Biden and the cronies. And I respect that, too. Might not agree with you on your economic policy, but we can, we can start with not liking the establishment crony capitalists garbage. Well, of course, Jimmy Dore did not tweet at anyone. He just said that he was in the Young Turks studio. You see, Jimmy Dore used to work for the Young Turks. He's on their videos. And now I believe he's independent. And, he, and he's saying that when he was on, you know, having these debates, it was with the Young Turks, not targeted at anybody. And then we get this from Anna Kasparian herself. I don't think Alex Jones should be able to use platforms to encourage people to threaten and harass parents whose children were gunned down. The Posner family had to move seven times because of it. If Jimmy wants to provide a real example of how we're pro-censorship, I'd love to hear it. Did you catch that one? Maybe you did, because Jimmy responded, quote, yes, I'm for censoring that guy for sure. Now, can you point out where I'm for censorship? LMAO. If someone breaks free speech laws, that's for a court to decide, not Mark Zuckerberg. The very censorship you cheer on is now being visited upon you, yet you remain obtuse, of course. Jimmy. Jimmy, bravo. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I've got some, uh, some, some personal complaints with Anna Kasparian because I think she's done a, uh, I think Anna has done some things that have been emotional attacks on me for reasons I have no idea. So uh, uh, Anna and Nando Villa, and I know Nando, and I thought we were cool. I mean, I worked with him at Fusion. I never had any issues. They did a segment where they just like made fun of me for being ugly, but agreed with the points I was making. It was kind of the weirdest thing. They just wanted to do a segment where they made fun of how I looked. I don't understand why. So I, I, I have very little respect for, for Anna at this point, because she is literally posting a, it, this is a deceptive argument that Alex Jones was encouraging people to threaten or harass. Listen, if speech is legal, speech is legal. If it is illegal, you remove it. If Alex Jones had committed a crime, then by all means, he's being sued. I believe he's losing. There you go. Facebook has protections. YouTube and Twitter have Section 230 protections. That means Jones is liable for his speech, and he will pay the price for that, and he is. Why should he then be removed when he is the one paying for it? So listen, what Anna is saying is that, uh, let me break it down for you. Alex Jones did nothing illegal, but he should be removed. Okay, then you're for censorship. You are saying this information, this individual should be removed over this. Think about, I'll put it this way. If someone says, if someone makes 10,000 videos and in seven of them, they talk about an issue. Should we remove every single one of those videos because of, well, no, we shouldn't. That's mass censorship. What Anna isn't telling you is that everything Alex Jones had ever, had ever said was purged from these platforms because of a few things he said. Hence, these big tech platforms like Mark Zuckerberg and Susan Wojcicki or whatever and Jack Dorsey have removed what, like decades plus of Jones's speech over a couple of videos he did where he said things they did not like. That is censorship. Jacobin, buddies, I respect you tremendously 
for calling out Mark Zuckerberg. Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren also called out the power of Zuckerberg and big tech spying. And I respect them for this as well. For me, it is about principle, protecting the commons, commons and individual liberties. That means the individual's right to choose. The, uh, that means the individual being provided with accurate information to make those decisions. That means censorship is wrong. That means manipulation and deception are wrong. And that means if you want a socialist system, you need just convince someone to get on board with it. The problem is whenever you end up with these socialist systems, not everyone agrees. And a socialist system does require well, it requires mass confidence in that system because everyone has to adhere to it. In capitalism, if people don't adhere to the system, they commit crimes or whatever. Same would be true for, for socialism. You just go to jail. So in capitalism, the individual ultimate individual ultimately decides how they freely trade their wares, their labor, etc. I'm for that. I'm for choosing whether or not you can or cannot do a certain job. Socialists believe the means of production should be owned. That's an, I don't want to get into an argument about economics. Okay. That's because that's this, this whole thing. For me, individual chooses. And if an individual says, I'm not going to do this, well, then there you go. I am not a, a laissez faire capitalist, however. I believe in a mixed economy, which means I half agree with some of Jacobin and I half agree with the laissez faire capitalists. It just means that there are certain standards we meet and we say, these are the regulations. These are the rules. Now have at it and trade freely. I can have all of these conversations so long as we agree on the core principles that allow a society to function and for the debates to exist in the first place. So let me just give you some criticism, Jacobin, with respect for these articles. You have a show with Anna Kasparian, who has just tweeted, because Jones said a few things, we should purge everything he's ever said. You see the problem there? It is duplicitous to say, I don't want Jones to be able to harass a family. What about the 99.99% of content he produced outside of when he talked about that family? You see the problem there. That's pro-censorship. You can't throw out everything because a person said one thing. If you do, you will find your show being censored. So I tell you this. This one's not on Jacobin. No, they get my respect. This one's on Anna Kasparian. It's your show getting censored. And you're the one who has said we should censor people. Okay, well, then you got censored. Don't expect me to come to your defense. You're lucky, however, in that Jacobin has called out Mark Zuckerberg and called for free speech. And I will absolutely defend their right to publish that video, even if you are in it, Anna. I believe that everyone has a right to hear what you have to say as well. And though you may have done things wrong by me personally, that's allowed. I just think it's lowbrow. You want to make a video calling me ugly? Sure, go ahead and do it, I guess. It doesn't bother me none. In fact, it kind of raises my profile. So by all means, do it. I don't think you should be censored. I don't think anyone should. And I hope this is a learning, uh, a learning moment for you because your show just got taken down. They're going to purge Jacobin and the socialists. We've been talking about this for a long time. And you know who's going to stay? The centrists. I'll leave it there. A couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Will Texas flip blue? Biden leads Trump by three percentage points in latest polls. I believe Texas has not turned a uh, voted Democrat in 44 years. And I also believe that back in the day when Texas was voting Democrat, it was actually voting like white supremacists, like against the civil rights stuff. I mean, way back in the day, like 100 years ago. 
but I'm not convinced. The polls have to be wrong, right? Now, I talked about this earlier today. If the polls are wrong, that means the media is done. It's over. Seriously, to be this wrong would be insane. Three points. Now, to be fair, I think that's within the margin of error, but I, I, I see this as a sign that we are undergoing a dramatic transformation in this country. The political parties have changed. It's now the moral authoritarians versus the moral libertarians. I really do think that is uh, what it is. Take a look at the never Trumpers, the old school Republicans. These are the Republicans of the moral authoritarian yesteryear teaming up with the moral authoritarian Democrats and all high fiving each other. Their goal, in my opinion, is we're smarter than you and we know it. And therefore, we should be in charge versus the people who are like the populists. Let the people decide, do their thing. You do the, you do your thing. I do my thing. Maybe we don't go to war. We chill out. Thus, you end up with Johnny Rotten, people like me who are liberal on economic policy, leaning left on economic policy and even social policy, voting with the Republicans because the transformation is upon us. It, it, it is in, in many ways authoritarian versus libertarian. But I've got some data I would like to show you that I find interesting. This is a lot about what's going on. Now, I don't know if Texas will flip blue, but let me show you this. New from Trafalgar Group post-debate poll in Michigan. They say Trump is up two points in Florida. Trump is up two points in Arizona. Trump is up three points. Ooh, really good news for Donald Trump in these key states. Florida early voting, I believe, is looking really good for, for Republicans because they're shutting down the Democrats early vote lead. But I don't think any of this matters. Nate Silver had a funny tweet where he was like, early voting is the stupidest thing because it changes so dramatically, but it gets drawn out into this long news cycle. And that's that's a fair point. But let me make this point from polling USA presidential support by those who haven't voted yet. Interesting. Florida, 59 percent to Biden, 40. Georgia, Trump, 54 to Biden, 44. North Carolina. Trump 58 to Biden 41. And this is from CBS YouGov. This is the data that's important. You know what this means? It means of the people who have not voted yet, just about 60% in Florida are Trump supporters. While the Democrats are currently leading by about 380,000 votes, if Florida, if the, if all the remaining votes that come in are 59% for Trump and 40 for Biden, Trump wins Florida. And that's it. Trump wins Florida. I believe if Trump wins Florida and Pennsylvania, it's over. Over, over. In Georgia, same thing flies. And North Carolina, if all of these remaining votes come in, it's it. That's it. Trump wins. Trump will win. Now, I'd like to see some data on Texas because that seems crazy to me. But here's what you need to understand about Florida, for instance. A lot of people are wondering why it is that Democrats are leading the early vote. Well, I can at least say in Florida, one article I'd read said something very simple. Rural counties didn't start early voting until recently. This may be something similar with Pennsylvania. If early voting is only happening in big cities, they have more people in a denser area, it makes sense, then the early vote will swing very heavily Democrat. And that's one of the reasons people thought Democrats would have a massive advantage. But of course, when early voting opens up in the rural areas, the Republicans swoop in and things start to come back to normal, I suppose. Nobody knows what is going to happen. But I'll tell you this. I'll give you my opinion. I may be wrong. I, I, I have only the information before me and my personal opinions. 
but take a look. Nate Silver says, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but it's not a good sign that I always know what a Trafalgar Group poll is going to say without having to open a link. Let me remind you, Trafalgar Group are the ones who said Michigan, Florida, and Arizona are all for Trump. Nate Silver doesn't understand. His logic here applies literally to him. Yes. Here's what he said. I don't. So, so Trafalgar Group says Trump is winning, right? And he said, I don't know what they're doing, but it's not a good sign that I always know what a poll is going to say without having to open the link. I don't know exactly what Nate Silver is doing, but it's not a good sign that I always know what 538 is going to say without having to open a link. Do you get why that logic makes no sense? Maybe you're wrong. Everybody thinks they know everything. Everybody is so convinced. Now, I tell you what. A lot of Democrats are saying Joe Biden's going to win because they have to. Trump supporters saying Trump's going to win because they have to, because they're trying to rally their base to make sure people don't get demoralized. Morale is important. We're going to win. Charge, everyone. Hold the center. I don't know who's going to win. I've seen some high profile people say Trump won't win like Trump supporters. I have seen uh, you got Mike Cernovich, obviously. He's saying he doesn't think Trump is going to win. And you've got uh, several people, uh, several other moderately sized verified Twitter users who, who have said something similar. It'll be close and Trump will end up losing. There is a really good reason to believe Trump will lose. But we do have sort of a normalcy bias. When I look at when I look at the polls and the polls are telling me we're the experts, we know what's going to happen. I tell you this part of me says, why should I not trust the experts? They're saying Trump is going to lose. Many people say, but the polls were wrong in 2016. Break that down first. The polls may have been very wrong about a week out from the election where they said Hillary Clinton was up like double digits and national polling averages or whatever. And it could have been that the email scandal swung everybody, these, these middle of the road voters for Trump. It could also be that Hillary and Trump were both equally despised. And so people are like, oh, Trump, I guess. He was the one saying no war, so I'll take it. Joe Biden is nothing. He's literally hiding in the basement. So maybe the polls are right. But part of me sees this media that is lying. Think about this. Think about how they're lying about Joe Biden and everything having to do with Hunter Biden. Do you believe that these polls are accurate on purpose? Like, do you think they're actually using these methods and being honest with you? Or do you think they're lying to you? I don't know. But I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you. I lean towards. I don't know, but I lean towards. I think they're lying to us. I think they're lying. Texas turning blue. Get out of here. Maybe, to be completely honest, I mean, look, Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke, it was close race. Maybe. Maybe. But I think they're lying to us. Because they're lying to us about Hunter Biden's laptop. Most of these companies, not all of them. You see, there still are a few journalists that are breaking through. But what we're seeing with the media is they're solidifying this machine that will manipulate, lie, cheat and steal. And we're getting only a tiny bit breaking through the cracks. But if you're looking for it, you will find it. It's only a matter of time before I get banned. And then the polls come out and say, Joe Biden's at 90 percent polls. And even though everyone says there's no way, they tell you, oh, it's because you're in a bubble. You just don't know. That's what CNN has been doing. CNN has been saying, you're just in an alternate reality of Fox News and you don't know the truth. Think about it this way. Everyone in this country could could say they want to vote for Trump. 
and the media will come out and give you a poll saying everyone wants to vote for Biden. And most people will just assume, wow, I guess more people really just want Biden. They're not going to assume the whole thing's fake. I think these polls are wrong. I think these people are no longer experts. They have no idea what they're talking about. How wrong? I don't know. I'm not saying Trump is going to win, but I think they will be incorrect. Inez Stepman tweeted, we are in the midst of a seismic realignment that will shape both parties for coming decades. And voting is additionally hard to predict given all the changes. For uh, for example, Malin, it's an entirely believable possibility that polls are not capturing an accurate picture of the electorate. And I agree. And I agree completely. Perhaps what's really happening is that many of the polls are modeling likely voters. Do they know who likely voters are? What if their criteria for a likely voter is wrong because Donald Trump has been registering way more voters than Democrats, though Democrats still have a larger party? Republicans have been closing that gap. Perhaps Republicans have started targeting people who normally don't vote. You've got uh, Kim Klasik in Baltimore, for instance, and she's going to the black community and saying, vote. Maybe many people who are not considered likely voters are going to vote. Maybe these people are traditionally ignored by pollsters. No one has any idea. And maybe that's why Texas looks blue. It's simple. What if Donald Trump isn't targeting the same people everyone always targeted? What if the Republicans are going after people that are typically ignored and are not considered to be likely voters, but now they will? Right now in early voting, Texas is Republican by like 12 points. So we don't know for sure. Things could change dramatically on Election Day, but Election Day is supposed to be heavy Republican. So why would a poll have Biden up three? Because the pollsters are wrong. It's really that simple. I think about myself and I said, I'm going to be voting for Trump and Republicans. I tweeted this earlier for the first time in my life. I've, I've voted for Trump and Republican Congress and Senate. And this is part of the realignment. I am not pro-life. I am for social programs. I completely disagree with so much of the Republicans, but the left is insane. Joe Biden is, is jibber jabber garbled nonsense. Kamala Harris is, is, you know, Kamala's a cop. That's what they say, right? She's an authoritarian uh, prosecutor. Lock them up, locking people up for pot. She's as plastic as they come. I don't care about their crony establishment. I want to see the bull go in and trash things around. So you know what? Critical race theory be gone. Peace agreements, withdraw our troops. None of this foreign intervention garbage. And that goes for the things Trump has done as well. But hey, I'll take what I can get for the time being. I think the polls are wrong. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. This one's going to be good. Stick around. My friends, the Great Reset is no conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy fact. Although I don't think you really need to call it a conspiracy. There is a great effort to use COVID-19 to trigger what they call the Great Reset. Essentially, reimagining the global economy. Well, I don't want to I don't want to uh, mince words. I want to make sure I show you exactly what the World Economic Forum is saying and what the Great Reset really is. This is one of the reasons many people believe Donald Trump cannot win. Foreign influence and interference wants Joe Biden to be president to help bring about what they call the Great Reset. I don't know about any grand conspiracy in that regard, but I can tell you this. Since COVID-19 swept across this world, there has been a collapse of many economies and a massive shutdown. Many businesses were completely destroyed. From the ashes, the World Economic, the World Economic Forum is proposing we do something dramatically different, taking advantage of the crisis 
in order to change the economy, as it were. Let me show you. They say this. The context. The COVID, this is from the World Economic Forum website. It is certified by NewsGuard, okay, across the board. This is not a conspiracy. The COVID-19 crisis and the political, economic, and social disruptions it has caused is fundamentally changing the the traditional context for decision-making. The inconsistencies, inadequacies, and contradictions of multiple systems, from health and financial to energy and education, are more exposed than ever amidst a global context of concern for lives, livelihoods, and the planet. Leaders find themselves at a historic crossroads, managing short-term pressures against medium and long-term uncertainties. The opportunity. As we enter a unique window of opportunity to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economies, the priorities of societies, the nature of business models, and the management of a global commons. Drawing from the vision and vast expertise of the leaders engaged across the forum's communities, the Great Reset Initiative has a set of dimensions to build a new social construct contract that honors the dignity of every human being. Join the Sustainable Development Impact Summit. They mentioned their partners, Uplink, blah, 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 blah. Our contribution. The World Economic Forum has developed a reputation as a trusted platform for informed collaboration and cooperation between all stakeholders, reinforced by a track record of success of over five decades. The forum now offers its experience in building purpose-driven communities in service to, uh, of the extraordinary challenge and opportunity the world faces for a great reset. The forum provides an unparalleled platform for creating shaping and delivering collaborative solutions for the future through its, and I guess whatever, what status as an international organization, hub for cutting ideas, blah, 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 blah. The Great Reset Dialogues in the run up to the annual meeting, the forum will host a virtual series, the Great Reset Dialogues. These dialogues are a joint initiative of the World Economic Forum and HRH, the Prince of Wales. During these dialogues, various key stakeholders will discuss core dimensions of the Great Reset. Related articles. What is intersectionality and how can it help businesses tackle diversity and inclusion? Yes, companies can save capitalism and the planet. This week's great reset. Jobs reset. Why in intentional learning is the most important skill to learn right now. The great reset harnessing the fourth industrial revolution. 2020 is the year that might save us. Emissions have fallen, blah, blah, blah. What you, need about, what you need to know about equity, inclusion, and social justice in the workplace. That's what the Great Reset is. Taking advantage of COVID with the World Economic Forum for a global intersectional reset to bring about a new economy that they say will save capitalism. This is one skill that will future-proof you for the jobs market. Let me show you this. This is the article. Companies can save capitalism. This is part of their podcast. They mention the World Economic Forum issued the Davos Manifesto with the idea that companies must not only serve their shareholders, but all stakeholders, everyone their actions might affect. This is not a conspiracy. I don't know. I don't want to frame it in any particular way. I don't want to act like uh, I don't know. Look, I'll put it this way. It seems that there are powerful international global interests that want to reshape the global order, as it were. I find this funny because it's as close to uh, as close to like New World Order conspiracy stuff as you can get. But it's overt. It's the World Economic Forum. It's 
a mainstream, international, and extremely powerful and influential organization. The World Economic Forum has their Davos summit. They've actually been to the peripheral events happening in Davos. It was really crazy. It was like a major blizzard. And I got to meet a lot of these people and their plans and their plans for things like cryptocurrency. And there's a lot of really funny things about all of this that people don't seem to realize. Alex Jones is a really great example of the the, the individual who calls out, say, like the globalists and the, 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 you know, the New World Order and things like that. The problem with Alex Jones, in my opinion, is that he finds something that is a morsel of truth and then takes it in a ridiculous direction. For example, and then I'll, and we'll, we'll talk about reshaping the global economy and Bitcoin and crypto and how I think that's a big part of it. Alex Jones talked on the, on the Joe Rogan podcast about, you know, uh, cell towers and human animal hybrids and weird stuff like that. Stuff that's like clearly over the top and kind of crazy. But of course, there's usually a morsel of truth in these stories, notably turning the frickin' frogs gay. Well, he was talking about a study on something called atrazine, which disrupted the endocrine systems of frogs. Okay, that makes it sound much more boring when I say it the way I did. Now, whether or not this study is, is confirmed or true, I believe they've later come out with more research saying that they don't believe it to be uh, uh, as serious as previously described, but it was disrupting the endocrine systems of frogs, which is, you know, like sexual reproduction and things like that. Let me tell you, outside of anything he may, may have claimed or why, ever, why they banned him, sure, whatever, there is a morsel of truth to this idea that there is an effort to create a global economic, you know, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, system, I suppose. And we're looking at it. There's an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate. What do they define stakeholders as? Everyone affected by every company. So this is what we heard from Jack Dorsey. When I was on the Joe Rogan podcast, he said we serve a global audience. He doesn't care about the United States. He cares about the world. I can respect caring about the world, but I also think you need to respect the lives and the cultures of the people in their countries. Otherwise, you will get violence, chaos, and disruption. And I tell you this, man, it's remarkable to me the arrogance of these people in thinking they can stuff a boot down someone's throat and this will work. My advice to all of you is you have to respect the country, the people in it, what they want, their their goals. Otherwise, you just get war. Of course, these people see a great opportunity in COVID-19. They see as these Democratic governors just, just shut down their, their, their local economies, it's the opportunity to run in full speed and make this great reset happen. And I'll tell you this, I believe Bitcoin and cryptocurrency will play a substantial role in this. I remember when, when, when Bitcoin started getting prominence. I've actually known about it for quite some time. It was uh, 2011. If you're not familiar with cryptocurrencies, they're basically encryption keys that can function as digital hard assets that can't be replicated, which means they're stores of value in a digital space. This is it's a tremendous invention, by the way. Before this, you could just copy anything online with crypt with 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 crypto. You can essentially make it so something can't actually be copied and it's physically owned by an individual. I started uh, a lot of libertarians and anarchists, right wing anarchists liked Bitcoin because it operated outside the confines of the U.S. economy. They couldn't tax it. It was hard to find, hard to trace, and it held value. I asked many of these people early on, Bitcoin tracks every transaction. That metadata will make it so they know exactly what you're doing and when, like when you're doing it. And they were like, what do you mean? 
The US dollar is a piece of paper I can freely trade. They can't track that. In order to create some kind of constrained global system, they need to be able to track every transaction. Bitcoin allows that. Now, these other cryptocurrencies, these other, you know, um, whatever, you know, I'm not going to swear, but uh, they have a name for them. I, I don't think most of them are going to, uh, most of them will go anywhere at all. I think Bitcoin is the key asset. I think that will allow instant global trade, transactions, and tracking. Of course, there has been Monero, which is a crypto that you can't track. So there are, you know, uh, tools and assets created outside of this. Here's, here's my point. They're doing it. It's called the Great Reset. They're taking advantage of COVID-19 to implement it because the economic shutdown. They're going to try. We'll see if it plays out. A key uh, a goal, or in order to make this happen, Trump absolutely has to lose. So a lot of people believe this goal from the World Economic Forum is why they're trying to shut down Donald Trump and why he shouldn't have won in the first place, blah, blah, blah. Thus, Trump will not win. That's the speculation. I don't know about it. I don't know about any of that. Just because they want to do this doesn't mean they can, doesn't mean they have the power to do it, but maybe they will. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. People underestimate Bitcoin's role in making something like this happen. So let me just say, people have been sending me stuff about the Great Reset. A lot of people have been talking about it. It's a real thing on their website. Hopefully I made that clear. But I'll leave you with one final thought. First, I own Bitcoin. Yes, I do. I do not actively trade in crypto, and I don't really care all that much about it. I have not bought any in quite some time, but people can donate. I have it on my website if people want to send it to me. I am giving you this full disclosure because I believe Bitcoin is going to reach ridiculous prices. Now, Max Kaiser, if you know Max, talks about Bitcoin skyrocketing, doubling, tripling, quadrupling in value. I believe Bitcoin will reach. I think the amount, the like the value of one Bitcoin is going to be an absolutely psychotic number. I don't, I don't want to give any hard numbers. But if you think $13,000 for a Bitcoin right now is a lot of money, wait one year, wait one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. I think, I think some people who own only a couple might never have to work again. I'm not going to, I don't want to give any hard numbers, but I'll tell you, I think Bitcoin is going to become worth an extremely large sum of money. Cause what you need to understand about one Bitcoin is that it has eight decimal points. So the lowest, the smallest tier of a, a Bitcoin is called a Satoshi. It is eight decimal points, one. So if you have one Bitcoin, you've got a lot of those. I believe they're going to be worth a ridiculous sum of money. Ridiculous. Look at what the World Economic Forum wants. How do you implement a global currency? They already did. PayPal recently announced some trading with crypto. I believe I think it's going to go nuts. And I think the Great Reset is going to be happening one way or another, with or without us. We'll see how things play out. Maybe Trump will win. Maybe he won't. I don't know for sure. But thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. in the next segment.